like all you guys do is rant and babble endlessly, especially Garner. <laughs> <laughs> everybody welcome to tangent train i know we missed last month but it was just too many scheduling conflicts around the holiday between grown working people and my failing health yeah and the election crisis oh yeah that too yeah that's i mean if we, we were basically in mourning yeah we couldn't, we couldn't record <laughs> that's what it was it had nothing to do with like thanksgiving or christmas or family yeah or, none of that or snow Crippling debt. <laughs> yeah. It, we're, we're mad about the election. All those other things, they're not a factor. Right. And as usual, I'm Josh. And I'm Garner. And, uh, yeah. So. So I was thinking, I generally tend to consider myself a creative type. Okay. Because, you know, I, I like to do art. I like to try a lot of different sort of artistic mediums, I guess. Um... You know, I've done a lot of drawing, which you can find on my Instagram page, link in the description. Um, and DeviantArt too, right? Yeah, DeviantArt. Yeah. Actually, DeviantArt's probably better, because I've noticed there's a lot of thievery going on on Instagram right now, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've also done a little bit of dabbling in like video entertainment through YouTube. I tried that out for a little bit. Um, just get my hands around editing and stuff, and now even like this podcast is like a form of, I guess, artistic expression. Not that we're doing anything, you know, wildly creative with it. I mean, <clears throat> but it is a creative medium. I mean, I, I think I think there's some creative stuff that's involved in this podcast, like your crazy train logo. Oh yeah, or uh, like making or those like intros were fun. The crazy. Uh, Editing you have to do. There's a definitely creative process in the editing. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you, you listeners don't know the shit that he has to get out of my mouth. Like, he has to, he has to prune it out. In all honesty, there's not a whole lot that ends up on the cutting room floor, but I have a very damning file on my computer now. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, it's 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 the Hillary folder. Man, the uh, um. Even like I've tried my hand at painting and music in the past. Um, And it got me thinking. I remember talking with you, I don't know when, but some days ago. Or not days, but like in days past. We were having a conversation. I remember you explaining like you didn't really feel like you had very many creative outlets or a very creative or artistic type. Yeah. And I wanted to, to, to get a solid clarification on that. Yeah, so this is really interesting. Like, on one hand, I have to acknowledge that, like, I make things. Right. <laughs> right? Like, I have to acknowledge that the process by which I, like, say, right, for, like, a role-playing game or something uh-huh. is a creative process, right? And that I must write. But um, what I think is different from... When I think about, like, a creative person, right? <coughs> Excuse me, yeah? I feel like they have... They have just more than the ability to do the thing. Uh-huh. They really have, like, a strong drive to do the thing. Uh-huh. I, so, like, I mean, I have gone sometimes years without running any games or doing any of it. 
I mean, typically, I do the thing because other people want me to. Right. <laughs> it's it's like it's not because it's not because I have like a oh, like a strong innate desire to create the you know to be creative. Hmm. And so that's that's what I think is like the big difference between what I when I think of a creative person, yeah. they're like always making things. Interesting, because I I know the the one sort of artistic medium I really haven't tackled in in like you know talking we're talking like very basic genres here. The one broad one that I really haven't tried my hand too strongly at is creative writing. Sure. You know, I haven't really put pen to paper or fingers to keyboard and um, tried to get any story down. I mean, I've recorded a few dreams. I've had, like, a, um, a very loosely kept dream journal when one, like, really sparks me as being interesting. And I've, I've even, you know, elaborated on those to fill in some of the hazier details or the shit that just doesn't make sense like dreams tend to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, I haven't been like, and now this is a short story. I'm going to put this for people to read. Um, I usually just tell a friend and they're like, you're fucking weird, man. <laughs> you, know, you know, speaking of that, creative, we should unpack the word a little bit. Like, sure. It, unfortunately, it's like this huge word now. Right. Like it, like, like for me, like I felt like I had to explain the word because sometimes later, like let's say I'm playing a game or something yeah. and I do something that would be particularly unorthodox and I'll just fully admit, I prefer to do unorthodox things. I'm just unorthodox in general. I, I wear <laughs> tape on my face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I'm just an unorthodox guy. And uh, and some people call that creative. Okay. And sometimes, you know, they just mean that, like, the person has unusual ideas. Yeah, thinking outside the box or being ingenuitive with the tools at hand. Yeah. Um, so maybe would a better word to use be, like, artistic? Yeah, like, sometimes artistic feels better because it, you know, like, for what we're talking about, because when you think about an artistic person, they are typically makers. Yeah, it's like an expression. Yeah, they're trying to make something, and they're trying to express themselves. And what's interesting, like, for me, is that, like, if someone said, oh, Adam's creative, it'd be like, well, I mean, like, I am an orthodox. I do, yeah. I try to, I, I work well in constraints. I will try to be resourceful, but I really am not trying to express myself. I'm not really making things very often. Okay, because I, I, I don't want to just, for clarification's sake, while we're on the uh, semantic topic here, because um, I definitely think art and artists are two very separate sort of concepts. Sure, yeah. You know, like, an artist doesn't always make art, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> You know what I mean? Well, you know. Because you can do something artistically that doesn't necessarily result in art. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and not to say, like, you know, a dance performance isn't an art. Um, watching a dance performance certainly is, you know, to experience art. But, like, a guy who, say, in my, my field who can do landscaping really well, they can do it at the level of an artist... Without necessarily creating topiary art. Oh yeah, well, because I mean, that that is the that's the interesting thing about art, right? And, and I think that's why you use the express yourself, right? Like, right. You can do it well, uh-huh. but you're not trying to like express anything, right? Uh, and because that's, that's the other thing. That's the other side of art is that I have, I have a, I'm one of the firm believers that art is determined by the audience. 
You know, okay. like oftentimes I, I've heard too many stories about somebody creating like a drawing or a painting or a sculpture or whatever that ends up like being the the audience applies so much more meaning than the artist ever initially intended. Even like movie directors, like I think, uh, um, what's his name who runs Studio Ghibli? Okay. Miyazaki, okay. is that his name? Yeah. I think yeah, I think that's his name. He did like Spirited Away and stuff. Yeah, I've okay. heard like some like he he's obviously does his films with a very artistic approach. Um, but then there's the anime director who was behind um, Evangelion. Evangelion, yeah. Evangelion, yeah. And then I guess uh, he's been quoted as saying that like a lot of people as, as um, apply much deeper meaning to that show than he ever intended. Right. That yeah. he's just like, no, this is, that you guys are wrong. That's not what this is about. And I'm like, well, yes and no, sir. <laughs> like the audience is playing a role here now. Like well, they take the piece and can do a lot with it. Yeah, like I think that you're right, but I also I mean I would just kind of counterpoint, like when something is made, right, it yeah. there's a creative process uh-huh. that makes it. And obviously like, when you watch, uh, like, I can't help it. I was actually just in a conversation about this the other day with oh, nice. uh, a friend of mine about how it is difficult for me to play a game, read a book, watch a movie, watch a video, frankly, almost anything. Consume and, media? And, yeah, pretty much any media. And it's hard for me to not be thinking the whole time that someone made this and intentionally included the scene, said those words, sure. put those mechanics in. I think about it constantly. And oh, yeah, yeah. No, I definitely, I definitely, I mean, you know me well enough to know that I have a firm appreciation for the meta, Think you know, thinking in that regard, like considering mm-hmm. the medium, considering what was done with intention and what that intention was. But at the same time, I know that I have seen and experienced where beauty can blossom where it was never meant to. Right, like you it know. wasn't intended to be like that. Because, like, like, here's my feeling. Like, so, like, Mass Effect 3 had an ending. Yeah. By the way, the game's been out for a few years now. So, like, spoilers, I guess. Like, <laughs> the hell? Play Mass Effect 3. Laviger, you haven't played it probably. Stop here. Wait, like, like jog ahead a few minutes. Neither have I. Okay, here we go. Yeah. So, so like, Mass Effect 3 had, like, this shitty ending, right? Yeah. In, um... And for some reason, the ending is just really weird and existential uh-huh. and just involves, like, this alien out of nowhere. And the alien's just like, you know, for some reason I did all this horrible shit so that I can get you to make a choice. And it's like, what? <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, it feels weird. It feels, like, completely bizarre. In fact, it's so weird and so surreal, the audience uh-huh. created this idea called the indoctrination theory. Huh. And in the first game, the main bad guy could actually, like, fucking, like, warp your mind. Like, he could convince you that there were enemies around you. And, huh. like, he could, he could, by the way, the main enemy in the first game, spoilers, I guess, <laughs> is like a giant spaceship. It's this giant spaceship, actually. Uh-huh. And it's just, and it's actually, the spaceship itself is an entity and can, like, fly over a planet and, like, drive people crazy. Oh, wow. And um, eventually drive them crazy in such a way that they do things that he that it wants to happen. 
Okay. Okay, and they call it indoctrination. Uh-huh. Okay, so the there's this hypothesis in the third game that the reason why the ending is so weird yeah. is because the character you're playing, Shepard, yeah. is indoctrinated. <laughs> Get this. The theory like makes so much more sense in the crazy ending of Mass Effect 3. Yeah. And it was created by the audience. And then the people who actually wrote it were like, well, that's a great theory, but no. You know, to me, it's funny. The little short vignette description you gave of 3's ending, I had, I'd never heard it put so succinctly that, you know, this alien out of nowhere shows up and is like, I just wanted to make a choice. Yeah. That almost makes me think that the game developers were probably just trying to, like, do this weird in-universe fourth wall break and be like, we're this alien making you make all these choices <laughs> in this fucking choice-based game. Yeah. But the actual universe of this environment is playing you the same way. Yeah. You know? Like, this entity is tracking your Paragon and whatever the fuck the other thing was. Yeah, Renegade. You know? Yeah, Renegade and, and all that shit. And it's just like, time to make a choice now. And They just probably didn't deliver that well enough, nor ever fucking foreshadow it. <laughs> yeah, there was just no coming. Like, it's just a, such a strange... Um, like, there's just no way you could have predicted it is the problem. Yeah. That it, that yeah. it was all leading up to just this weird choice. And at the ground roots of it, that's just poor storytelling. Yeah, it was it was bad. And um, my personal belief is this, that along the way, they were like, oh, we need to tell this grand epic story. And yeah. they just are like, but how do we end it in player choice? <laughs> right? Like, really, the problem was is that either the, the bad guys win or the good guys win. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people think that is bad storytelling. But you know what? Like, like you could have like a whole bunch of choices that led up to a conclusion. That's okay, Bioware. Yep. That's fine. <laughs> That's okay. Like, it didn't. You don't have to have like some sort of weird janky choice at the end. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Like they could have. They could have done a lot more of that. So. But I guess to get back on track. Hey, train puns. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like uh, choo choo. So the I think we have a good base concept on art, but um, would you say we have base concept on artists? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like. This, this to me feels like I got into an argument once a long time ago about martial arts. Martial arts? Yeah, just the simple thing is, is like, okay, let's say you study some martial arts. Okay. Right? Let's say you went to the dojo for a few weeks. Yes. And then every so often, like, you practice your moves. Uh-huh. And then, like, are you practicing martial arts and therefore a martial artist? Ha-ha. Uh -huh. Right? And then, like, but then and so there's this thing... Which, like, let's say you're a black belt, and yeah. you compete in martial arts tournaments, and you do it constantly. Uh-huh. No one's going to deny that you're a martial artist. But if you're, like, an amateur, it like, people don't want to give you the label. Well, I, I feel like, on my feelings on the term, sure. that, yeah, they're an artist. They can be a bad one. Yeah, so the, <laughs> so the reason why I bring it up is because... My feeling about the wor words like this is, like, whether or not you are or aren't a thing. Yeah, because there's a difference, I think, between, like, there's a difference between me, you know, throwing a few punches around at some bag filled with sand for, you know, what the fuck ever, and somebody who is practicing a style of throwing punches at a bag of sand for fucking whatever. And, because, like, 
you could throw some paint at, um, you could try to paint like a happy face or your girlfriend or something on a piece of canvas, but if, if you're not intending to like go do the art, if you're just doing it because you were bored and had paint and a canvas, sure, you know, maybe then you're not really the artist. Well, like I'm but actually, when you're, I think when you're actually trying to craft that there's something to that. Well, that's, that's what I'm actually trying to get into. Like, so we're t- when we talk about artists, yeah. right, versus just art or, like, what it means to, you know, be artistic, uh-huh. um, when we're trying to get into this label of, like, whether or not it or you are the thing, the, I always have this challenge with other people trying to, like, fit the box. Like, instead of, like, a person, like, essentially choosing for themselves whether or not they are. Right? Like, yeah. I don't really have a problem with somebody who paints two paintings a year and... They're not even great paintings. Yeah. And then they choose to call themselves a painter. Right. Like, I don't... There's not... To me, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah. Like, if... To me, if I see a person drive the bus, and he drives the bus, like... Maybe he only drives a month, uh, the bus for one month a year, uh-huh. and then he calls himself a bus driver, that's fine. Yeah. Right? Like, like, I'm an aircraft mechanic, but now I do auditing, right? It's like... Right. Okay, when people ask me about my trade, I tell them I'm an aircraft mechanic. Yeah, but I've always also been in the camp that I I, th- I like to believe or like would like to live in a world where labels are voluntary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where labels are voluntary. So of course I agree with you on this concept. Yeah, well, I mean I just like my problem is is that like um, people also to me it's not just voluntary. It's people also want to take away your stuff. Right. Like 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 the guy who only does like a little bit of martial arts. Maybe he was only ever a yellow belt, and then he's just like, "Yeah, I do martial arts. I'm a martial artist." Uh-huh. And then, but then people try to take that from him. He's like, "No, you're not. You are not a martial artist because you're not competing in martial arts tournaments, or you no, don't do yeah, this. No. You, you don't fit above this bar." So, like, so to me, the problem here with like the word of like whether or not this person's an artist yeah. or not, like, it's almost like existential. Like, does this person think they're an artist? Right. Right. Do they do they think they do art? Which brings me back to my original question here, which is, do you consider yourself an artist? Hmm. Yeah, so... Says Quizwell, I know that I've played plenty of role-playing games with you where you arguably create written art. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you, like... And others may call that an art and, by chance, call you an artist for it. But would you call yourself one? Yeah, so, like, that's... So that's the rub, right? Like, so I just don't think of myself as an artist, right? Like, okay. like I do recognize absolutely that what I'm doing is an art, yeah. right? Like, like it, it is hard, actually, to replicate my best work, <laughs> right? That is almost like the definition of artistry, right. actually. Like, my very best stuff, I can't do again. Well, and it's funny, too, because it's something you practice, you train at, you... you uh you even like study and and you know work to improve yourself on. Yeah. But um, at the end of the day, you still don't count yourself as an artist. Yeah, I don't think of myself as an artist. It's mostly because like, so so there's just like this other feeling, right? And I and I think that some writers would agree with me on this, is that um, so, sometimes when you're writing something or creating something in that way, it almost feels like you're like hammering this thing into shape like like it's almost like a craft yeah and um it's it feels weird because like if i was making horseshoes uh-huh right i like and i'm making like the same horseshoes every time um 
Right, like I just I just think of it like as my craft, right? right? I don't necessarily think of it as like I am making the most beautiful expressive horseshoes. Okay. And so what's interesting for me is that like a lot of the techniques that I learned about writing or about like how to manipulate the players or, yeah. or or all these things, these techniques and stuff to me feel like like just that just like that. They just feel like techniques. They just feel like I like I'm using tools. Yeah, so you're more likely might equate yourself with the the artist and landscaper in that people are calling it, you yeah. know, artistic. While for you, it's just a means to a different end. Yeah, it's exactly like, like, like I guess the motivation then would come into a significant play because because you make you you labor at these role playing games because you like that environment to hang out with your friends. Because you know, you, you you appreciate the game and and what, like the the social aspect of it. Well, also the one of the strongest things, and one of the main reasons I really like it, and and why I even do it to begin with, is I used to play this game at work with my coworkers. Yeah. And um, the game goes like this: it was called Hypothetical Friday. Okay. And on Fridays near the end of the shift, I would think of a random situation, uh-huh. and I would. Walk around the shop while, you know, cleaning up or, like, picking things up or whatever. Frankly, just kind of, like, killing the last hour of the day. Yeah. And uh, I would ask my coworkers various questions, but they were always putting them in, like, a scenario. Oh, yes, the hypotheticals. Like, these hypotheticals, right? I remember these. And what was so interesting is, like, to hear the answers. But the the best part was this. um, The reason why I started doing this to them is because my coworkers had, um, there's this really geeky guy who was there before me. And, like, he was just, like, least... He was, like, the most perfect example of a person with no charisma. <laughs> like, this unlikable person yeah. who was a D&D geek. And by the time I'd gotten into that crew, they... Everyone was always making fun of, like, Dungeons & Dragons and role-playing game people. Yeah. And making fun of people who had, like, miniatures and stuff. And it was, like, a meme there. The guy didn't even work in the shop after a while. They're still making fun of it. Oh my gosh! Right. So, I, I, there, there's a sick part of me that did hypothetical <laughs> Friday to get them to play role playing games against their will, <laughs> right? To make them understand that they like it. And every once in a while, I would let them in on it. I'd just be like, you know what? This is just what D and D's like. If you want to hear more about that, listen, listen to the episode titled, uh, I think it's Garner's Love Letter. Yeah, Love Letter to Roleplay Games. So this is the reason why I do it, right? And like the hypotheticals I would put them in, you know, you know what the best part was? Eventually, some of them started making their own hypotheticals. Oh. Here was the best one that they came to me. One day, it was Hypothetical Friday, and they're like, it's my turn. It's my turn to sign. Okay. And they said, okay, Adam, you are on a spaceship with all of us, your co-workers. Uh-huh. And um, we end up landing on a planet, and then something goes wrong, and we're running out of food. What would you do? <laughs> and then, like, a lot of the co-workers are like, yeah, you know, I just do whatever it takes, a survival situation. I would, you know, we would draw lots, and kill each other, and eat them, and, <laughs> and they're talking about, like, cannibalism. Donner, Donner's party. Yeah, they're going, like, all Donner party. They have, like, this whole scheme of, like, survival situation. Yeah. And um, I remember I was just like, man, you know, like, it's cool that you made this hypothetical situation. I was like, but I was like, have you thought about the, like, the very particular implications of this scenario? I was like, the scenario is you're, you're at a place with people that you know... Uh-huh. And you're starving, 
and you're kind of trying to ask me if I would eat my coworkers, <laughs> right? I was like, yeah. Do you think? Like I'm like I'm like I'm like one of my coworkers was Nancy, right, or or Chuck, and I was like, I'm not sure that in that situation where I'm probably gonna die anyways, that I'm going to desecrate the bodies of the people I've been riveting here and bleeding on and fucking <laughs> suffering at this job constantly. I'm not sure I'm going to desecrate them in my final fucking moments just so I can eke out a few more days. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And so some people are just like, "What you got to do whatever it is to survive. And I'm just like, you know what? It's not that important to me. But what was cool is they came to me with a hypothetical. Yeah. Like, I gave them all kinds of crazy scenarios, zombie scenarios mm-hmm. and so on. And, and I would, like, ask them about, like, what if they could take a drug that, um, where they couldn't remember the end of their shift. Oh, yeah. That one was my favorite one. Yeah. I always ask people that. So this is why. <coughs> this is why I do role-playing games. And so there's this art to it. Yeah. But what am I really doing? Mostly I'm putting people in situations and seeing what choices they make. Right, right, right. I actually, um, I remember way back in the day, I used to work for the Washington Conservation Corps, and um, which is like this weird pseudo-job training volunteer position. Yeah, yep. Where they compensate you with minimum wage and give you a scholarship and shit. And um, I was working with a handful of kids my age and our crew lead, and um, we had just barely started to work with each other. We'd, like, maybe been working with each other for, like, a month, which, you know, isn't a lot of time to get to know one another. And um, all of a sudden, we were on emergency response. All right. And so we get the call that the fucking Stillaguamish River is flooding, and so we got to go up there and fill sandbags. And they're going to call in some of the other um, crews around the state to help out. And I'm like, we're like, cool, we'll get to meet some of the other WCC guys and, and get up there. And there's, like, actually a whole bunch of Boeing and Microsoft volunteers, too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we get up there. But <laughs> funny thing, we were working 410s. So, um, and it was our last day of the week. And it was about two hours away from us clocking out. So we had put in 38 hours already and we go up there and we start shoveling sand right and uh, the sun sets and we're still shoveling sand until the firefighters finally catch up with us and they're like wait you guys are wcc right we're like yeah he's like Mm -hmm. no 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 you're not supposed to be filling sandbags we're going to have you hang out with us for the weekend in case we need to move these sandbags when the dikes pops what? <laughs> oh boy! He's like, we're gonna try to set you guys up some cots in the local school because you're gonna be spending the night here. <laughs> we need you on reserve duty. They right. literally need you as reservists. Yeah. So we spent like the next two Hurry days. Hurry up and wait. We spent the next two days hanging around this small town fire station, waiting for something to happen, hoping it doesn't. You God know, damn. Which it did not. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is a perfect hurry up and wait example. And uh, and so yeah, good good gold classic government at work here. Um, yeah, uh, we paid money for that. We we were very excited when we got to go do the hourly check. We draw straws to see who gets to drive the truck down the dike and look for leaks. You know. Oh yeah. But um, so we spent a lot of time together and got to know each other really well. But yeah. I, I I will never forget the very odd way in which one of my characters decided to do the ice breaking. 
which was hypothetical scenarios. Yes. But they're of the most absurd kind because he had taken a psychology class and heard about these. Oh, no. This is great. I loved it because I totally got into it. And it was shit like, if you had to choose to cut off one of your hands, which one would it be? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and just really macabre, weird stuff like that. Let's like, would you would you rather choose to burn to death or drown? Like, which is worse for you? Yeah, what, what would be worse? <laughs> so, like, to answer the second question, there is I really don't want to die by suffocation ever. Oh yeah. And the, but the problem is, is, both of those likely will involve suffocation. suffocation. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I um. I really don't like that choice. It just sucks. Right. <laughs> I just want, I just want to put that out there. Right. Like so. Uh, so some, my my logic behind that one is I would choose drowning every time mm-hmm. because I'm very comfortable in the water, despite the fact that I know I'm drowning. I would know that there's a very brief moment of panic, a difficult ch- attempt at breathing, and then you fall asleep. Yeah, I think um, burning alive would just be um, probably excruciating. Right. And, like, you could smell your own death. Yeah, there's, like, nothing but horror leading up to then you fall asleep. Yeah, the only nice part about, like, I think burning to death maybe is that... um, It'd be faster maybe? Well, I mean, you're probably very keenly aware that you are... Fucked, right? Like, like the f- yeah. the fight for your life isn't going to be as weird. Like, there's going to be like this creeping anxiety if you're drowning that you real like you start to dawn on you that it's over. Yeah, <laughs> right. That would suck, right? Yeah, it's funny. I think I can. I think I could handle that better. Yeah. Than than the horror pain and a nightmare of your eyes boiling away. Well, because I mean, like, we're <laughs> line, there's actually a strong possibility you're going to pass out and then die. Right. Right. Well, I mean, both in scenarios, that's how it goes. Yeah, except for the... It's leading up to it. Yeah, the, the leading out. up to it. The leading up to the pass out is going to be different, which can you right? handle? Which can you handle? Excruciating pain or extreme anxiety? Yeah, extreme anxiety, right? <laughs> like, it really just it says everything. But, you know, these hypothetical situations are great, right? Right. And, um, and you know, like like we just did there, that's that's the breakdown of it. What's your thresholds? What, what, what's important to you? Yeah, what's important? And so, like, I... Um, I guess the capstone, my whole thought on this is I spend a lot of my time thinking and thinking about what other people think about. Yeah. And more importantly, I'm very, like, I am keenly interested in how people make decisions, how people make arguments, how do they rationalize things. Yeah. And I really always want to know, like, what they do, but I have this feeling, like, I always have this feeling that um, the answer you get, like on like the clickbaity Facebook thing, or, yeah. or that those answers you give there are like not your real answers because there's no stakes when you gave the answer. Like like when you're trying to figure out which um, uh, Harry Potter schoolhouse you're in, that stupid Facebook survey. Yeah, or just anything like that. Shit like that. Yeah, like things like that, or like maybe maybe if you even ask that question. That you just asked about, like, burning alive or drowning. Yeah. Well, to me, the thing is, is that what I really like about role-playing games is I can add in the element of stakes. Right. Your character can get screwed over, the story could change, maybe somebody will get hurt, and put in real stakes, players eventually build up their character and feel like they could lose a thing. Well, that and I've, you can kind of add a more visceral storytelling element to it yeah. than just having you know a checkbox, yes or no. Yeah, and I find personally 
that the decisions that I hear the most common answers to are different when people have something to lose. Yeah. They, the things change then. Right. And, uh, and that when you're in a comfortable situation where you have nothing to lose, you say one thing. And when you have something, when you actually can lose something, then you say the other thing. And uh, you do the other thing. And so I find that very interesting to think about. And so that's, I spend a lot of my time <coughs> Excuse me. thinking about how to create that scenario. Yeah. So I guess what, to give some backstory on why I asked you in the first place. Sure. Um, I had been listening to, for one, I had been listening to some of the podcast, um, the Blacklist Table Reads, which I would say, listener, if you are at all a film buff or an aspiring writer, this is a very interesting podcast because um, I guess the Blacklist, I didn't know this, but is some sort of prestigious um, writing collections website where anybody can submit a script, like a movie film script, to this website. They have like a group of people who read it and then they vote on some of their favorites. The public gets some say in this as well. They have like some sort of annual event where they pick like the best scripts of the year and shit. Um, but then the podcast goes a step further in collecting a group of actors to actually do a table read of the script. Holy. And so, like, you can literally listen to a movie, um, like a radio play and the podcast. Okay, sounds good. But in between those episodes, they then interview both the screenwriter for that particular uh, movie that they read as well as other successful screenwriters and talk to them about the writing process. They usually end with like asking advice for aspiring writers and not being one to be very driven in the writing art. Um, I found an interesting window into that and was beginning to feel a little more moved to maybe give it a try and see how it goes. But I also got to thinking, I know I remembered you and our co-host Alex from book bash talking about, some sort of writing competition or contest that came around at the turn of the year? Yeah, it comes up every year. It's called NaNoWriMo. NaNoWriMo, yeah. And it's it's in November, and the, you are supposed to write essentially a small book. Uh-huh. Um, and you write, like, a certain amount of words every day. I, I forget what it is. I think it's, like, 2,000 words a day or some nonsense. Okay. It might even be only 500. But the point is, is you knock out a few pages every day, and then by the end of the month, you know... You have a rough draft. And my understanding of this is more with the, uh, in vein of like a game jam, where like, yeah, like game developers get together and challenge themselves to create something in a, in a constricted amount of time. It's very much like a game jam. Because okay. like, you're, you're expected to go to this forum and like right. check in every day and show people your work and ah, stuff like that. And interesting. And so then people are looking at your stuff. And that keeps you motivated, but I, and you read I, other people's stuff. I remember being kind of surprised to hear that you were entering yourself into this challenge or had considered doing it, um, or had done it in the past even, when I knew that you had previously expressed yourself to not be a very creative or artistic type. Right. But so, I knew also that you did the writing for a lot of the writing and, and like um, storytelling elements in uh, role-playing. Yeah. So, like... It's a it's an interesting thing to like just um, when, when like you're crafting yeah. something right, and one of the things that I often um, just wanted to see for myself uh-huh. was like when you go and buy a module yeah. prepared by a professional, there's like there's just a look and a feel to it 
and it looks it, it's it's like complete and one of the things is like even though i spent a lot of time creating these hypothetical scenarios i could tell people about my games people have told me that they like my games i don't have that like physical evidence of my work yeah right and there and it would i've often wanted but i just you know haven't done it yet to actually create a literal module of mine be like <laughs> yeah. this is mine i made it like this is this is you know if anyone ever wanted to see a game made by me and run it themselves yeah this is what it would look like okay and uh i've just wanted that because um <laughs> this will just sound fucking ridiculous <laughs> i you know antonio banderas yeah he's like an actor he he, he did oh, a yeah. movie where he has like a guitar case and he shoots bullets out of it oh yeah um i forget what it's called i don't even remember let me tell you something. I once watched an interview with this guy, and he's at his home, right? And in the interview, he says um, he says that he likes to cook. Oh, right. And uh, but he doesn't. But he doesn't like to just cook anything. He only likes to cook, you know, what he knows how to do and that he's good at. Okay. And he had the saying: If you came to his home, he actually had a menu, <laughs> and he had just like a list of things. <laughs> That he can cook, that oh, he feels like he is good enough that he can he he make that for you. He was good at that, and he had he had that uh, that feeling of like like I remember watching it and I was just like, this guy actually has like the 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 physical now. He's just like he's got the menu that says yes, I can do the thing. I can produce the object for you. You could experience it, right? <laughs> And uh, I just remember, like, I was just like, that's just, like, a really interesting way to have, like, that badge, that feeling of accomplishment. Yeah. Interesting. And, uh, and so oftentimes, I have just wanted to have, I'll be like, yes, now anyone can see what what it, what is the effort, what it takes to do this, right? Like, I'm just as good. Because sometimes, you know, I'll tell you what, sometimes I read professionally done modules that I purchased. Uh-huh. I was like, I can do this. I'm just as good as this guy. Like sure. I, I'm, I'm convinced that I am, but the difference is, <laughs> it's his exists and mine doesn't. Right. And until mine exists, I'm just an amateur. I'm just a nobody, right? Like I'm not as good as him, and I shouldn't say that I am because I don't have it. Well, I have to say that sounds a lot like the artistic drive. He's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like, I'm just as good as that guy. Well, you know, it's, it's a little bit more competitive. Like I just want to sure. be like I'm just as good as this guy. Like it's not like um. It's not like I'm trying to like tell anybody that I'm great. You're not trying to express yourself. Yeah, I'm not really trying to express myself. Like I, I just want to be like, yes, I'm this good. I want to prove it to myself and to others. Right. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, like those who, people who just learn to play guitar so that they know how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But there's this, you know, like like going back to the like the martial arts thing, right? It's just like, yeah, you've given yourself the label, right? Like I've <laughs> yeah. given myself the label. I am a good as good as this module writer. But but people are gonna take the label from me if I don't have if you don't have the right if I don't have a physical module right. I, I, the other thing that kind of made me think about it is that I you know I I, I uh, follow a lot of different type of artists online and stuff, and I couldn't help but begin to notice a trend among the affluent artists I really respected and followed the most closely, and it was that as they. As they grew in their craft, they had this tendency, it seemed, all of them, to gather artists around them. 
Sure, yeah. Like, they very much surrounded themselves with friends and and loved ones that were also as creative as they, though maybe not through the same means. And, um, and that, that, just that proximity managed to encourage them all to be better and, and drove them forward in their crafts. And I was thought about that and, and myself and my own artistic pursuits. And I was like, yeah, I guess in a weird way, I've kind of started to do the same thing in my adulthood. Like a lot of the friends I had in high school weren't really, I would consider the creative types, you know? Sure. Yeah. And yet now some of my closest friends, um, save I guess for you. I don't know. I just don't consider myself an artist. Is that um, they all consider themselves artistic and have artist pursuits of their own, um, you know, craft or type. And so, so it got me thinking. It was like, well, is Gardner really? Is he not? Like what? What did what did he say? I guess. Yeah, like, like I, I wanted to know. I was I was curious. Well, you know what's curious <laughs> about it though is it's like, like it's the manner in which a person pursues their hobby, mm-hmm. right? And like the manner in which I do it is, like it's just not because I'm trying to like tell people something about me or about my right. work or anything. Like it's just you I mean, know I practically had to pull a leg to get you to even do this show. Yeah, like, I don't, like, I don't have, like, a really strong desire to, like, necessarily share a thing with someone, right? Uh, It's really interesting. I actually tutor these fourth graders now, and um, I'm going to be doing another gig on Tuesday. uh, Oh, really? Yeah. And um, they actually let me do it during school time. Like, I'm in the classroom. Like, I may as well be a teacher. With your uh, taped up eyeball and everything? (laughs) Yes, actually, yeah. Yeah, the kids um, are, they like that, actually. That's fun. It's really ridiculous. Although, I did have a kid try to jab out my eye. Oh, no. I I did not have an eye. Oh, no. So, um, that's fourth graders for you. I had to show him I still have an eye, and I I would appreciate it if he did not do that. (laughs) But, uh, But what's really interesting about fourth graders... Yeah, is actually they remind me of artists, just just fourth graders in general. Oh, sure, sure. And and to explain, they all want to show me something. They all want to show me something yes. that they have done, and they want my opinion on what they've done. And it really doesn't matter. Like it could be anything at this point. And so yeah. some of them are like really going all out. Like this gal, like wrote this whole lengthy story and drew a picture. About like this rabbit who eats um, like these large later ladybugs and it keeps growing bigger and bigger <laughs> until until it can like eat other bigger things. Oh wow! And like she just kept going on and on and it's like this it's just like this creature that eats things and gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it dies. <laughs> and I was like, wow! I was like, she. What was interesting is is like this little girl has conceptualized Fenrir. Right. She's conceptualized the wolf that if you leave if you if it breaks its chains, it will just eat everything it can. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I was just like, okay. You know, she's like this this gal has conceptualized what if Ebola had a body? <laughs> and and so it was interesting because like these fourth graders, like some of them like they like they had this project where they were drawing Washington State maps. Right. Okay. And they draw them out and they like list the counties and stuff 
and they even draw the mountain ranges. And to be honest, they probably knew more about the state and the geography that I've lived in most of my life than I did. <laughs> but it was pretty interesting because they're drawing them and then like, even though this is like their class assignment, some of them are like, hey, 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 you know, what do you think about this color? Or, you know, what, what do you think about this thing? And I was just like, I guess I bring this up because what was interesting is that all of the kids, like almost all of them, wanted someone to acknowledge the effort they put into something. Sure. And these are probably like, what, 10, 11 year olds? Uh, I think. Like, they're, they're maybe, I think they're 9 to 10. I think they're 9 to 10. Okay. No, yeah, that adds up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're 9 to 10. And um, they're, they're really interesting for children. Like, some of them, like, you know, just seem like little kids. Particularly, like, the young boys are not very well developed. Sure. Although, some of the boys are huge. Like, like yeah. I, I'm like, I can't even believe it. Like, I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, <laughs> some of these kids are massive. My kids at seven years old is already over half my height. Yeah, it's, it's it's insane. Yeah, some of these, um, some of the boys are humongous. He probably tucked the top of his head in my armpit at a stand. I'm just like, you are a giant. <laughs> yeah. So so these when I with the children, they're always really trying to like get someone to like acknowledge their work, and it made me think a lot about like what a lot of like artistic types that I know do, and what artists tend to do they like go and paint the thing they do the graffiti on the wall <laughs> and uh, you know maybe they wrote a story and they can't help but try to get somebody somewhere notice to look me. yeah to look notice me senpai yeah or something like that and I was just like this to me is like almost certainly the thing that artists do this is what they do like yeah. and if you don't do that there's a good chance that you probably don't think of yourself as an artist. Yeah. I, I, I suppose that's true. It is, what's weird about it, too, is, like, many people who are artistic like this, they're, like, they, they're like simultaneously have this problem where, like, they're making a thing, and they want people to see it, and they want people to comment on it, but they also don't want anyone to say anything bad about what they did. <laughs> and they, and, they, and they're now they're afraid to show anybody. And maybe they have like an entire book of drawings, but they won't show anybody. There does seem to be like something really weird about this sort of like, uh, I don't know if I want to use the term like, um, um, fuck, now I'm rem not remembering the word. Let, let me tell you, the word is paradox. They literally have a <laughs> paradox of of desires right yeah because they because they want they need validation but they are being vulnerable by showing them this expression of themselves yeah because like a lot know. of artists hate their work they're like this sucks and they know why it sucks because of xyz reasons right yeah whatever, right and um you, you know what hanging out with artists and um has made me start to like give, gives me the my my old man, simple, succinct idea on. Things just are what they are, right? Like, And what I mean by that is a lot of people think about the potential of the thing yeah. rather than what it is. Exactly. No, I definitely think that's a big folly of, of a lot of the artistic type. Um, I certainly have struggled with that in the past. Although, it's interesting, I had, um, I don't know if it was, like, some kind of weird foresight or just generally had Pat Rack mentality, but I had 
kept, managed to keep um, a lot of my past work. Because uh-huh. I, I probably started really getting into drawing um, around fifth grade. I think that's when it really clicked with me that I could take all that weird shit in my head and make it in a way that other people could see. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I did like a lot of like really stupid fucking sketches and drawings and doodles. But I kept a lot of it, too. Like, I had just full sketchbooks of just all kinds of random shit, and they all had bizarre and terrible stories. And and then throughout high school, I kept a lot of that art. I've probably got, like, a full um, box in my attic right now that's just packed full of my old ancient art. But now that I'm older... And have kind of accepted the fact that my art is always a growing craft. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm content with being able to do the best of what I can right at the moment. You know? And being like, this was a good piece today. Tomorrow I might look at it and be like, what the fuck was I doing? Yeah, what was that? You know? But at the same time, I can now have this history that I can go back through sometimes and be like, what did I re- actually do good on? And what, what didn't I? Yeah, like your own self-assessment. Like, I was recently looking through some old works, and I was like, man, I used to do some really good monsters. Like, I could come up with some crazy-ass monsters that I just don't generally draw anymore. I I tend to draw a lot of people. Like, like currently I'm practicing female form, because fucking women are crazy. It's hard to draw. weird to draw. It's it's because you were telling me about this a while back. It's because of, like, the the way they position themselves, like, the way they sit. Yeah, the body language is all foreign to me. Um, I'm used to drawing in angles, not curves. Mm -hmm. So, like, creating these forms that are both believable and um, still expressive are are hard. Yeah. You know, I actually... uh, you know, just to take a stab at myself, though. So we're talking about, like... I was talking about, like, oh, they need to make this thing. Yeah. And they want to show somebody, right? So just earlier, I was like, I don't want anyone to take away my my own label. That uh-huh. I'm just as good as this other guy. Yeah. So what am I going to do? I'm going to make the thing. <laughs> and then I'm going to show them if they try to take away my label. <laughs> Right? Yeah. If that sounds familiar, doesn't it, right? That sounds, a, little sounds a little bit like the artist, right? But here's... We, but now that I've created that, and I know people hate it when I do this, so I've made my <laughs> argument about why I'm wrong, but now I'm going to try to blow it away. Have you gotten feedback on that? <laughs> I think I think Laverger told oh, me that he, he, that he is sick of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> then he's just like... You know, why, why don't you just, like, sell your argument? Why do, why do you have to blow it away? <laughs> so, so anyways, my, um, so when I think about it, it's like, there's some writer out there who considers themselves an artist and express himself and all that. Uh-huh. Like, most of the writing I do is for creating, like, thought experiments and stuff and, like, janky stuff. And I have to get it done by the end of the week. And I have so much content to fill and I have to manage people's attention. Yeah. And so, like, if... If the writer who writes this great book is like a chef, I'm like a line cook. <laughs> right? I have to crank my workout weekly, good or bad, no matter what, get it in a frying pan, 
put some words on, <laughs> douse it with sauce, and serve it. Right? Yeah. And so it's like, is the line cook a chef? Yeah, yeah you know what? I don't know. Like, you know, some people are going to be like, he's a chef. And I'm going to be like, I'm a line cook. <laughs> I write in a mechanical way, and I write in a way to, like, deliver results. Yeah, I mean, I guess in this particular case, I think when it comes down to it, I would say for you, it definitely seems that intention is the cornerstone. Yeah. Like, despite the fact that, by most definitions, you are creating an art, practicing an art, that you don't intend it to be an artistic practice or expression. There's no... It doesn't have that same weight. It doesn't have that motivation for you. And so, I guess, yeah, at the end of the day, it doesn't sound like well, like you fit the bill. Well, I mean, I just... You know, that's that's why I create this final argument. That yeah. it's not just my intention. That it's like... It's the manner in which I'm doing it. It's like I am just shoveling it out on like a schedule. Like a <laughs> like a production plant, right? Like when, when the season of gaming starts... Like, I might have done some prep before that. Like, yeah. maybe, like, created a setting or a world. But once it starts, I just have to shovel that shit out, right? Like, I just, <laughs> I just, like, blend it out. It's like, I don't really get the time to, like, you know. Well, I don't know that every artist does. I mean, animators, game designers. Sure. Like, these guys got hard deadlines. A lot of art, um, authors do, too. But yeah, um, maybe it doesn't feel the same when you have a gun to your head. <laughs> maybe it doesn't feel like you're doing something special when you're like, you must do it. It must be done by Friday. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> right? Like, you know. Because, <laughs> like, when I meet people who are, like, constantly showing me their DeviantArt pages or whatever, like, it doesn't seem like they have a lot of pressure. Well, yeah. The, I, like. When I tell a lot of people, like, if I'm meeting somebody for the first time and I tell them that I, I consider, you know, I'm artistic and type and, and all that, I usually follow that up with the caveat that I'm a hobbyist. Right. I don't do it for career. So, I do it leisurely. I do it at my own pace. And while I would love someday for it to come of something, um, to honestly get there would take the professional push this is, this is, like, my contention, right? Like, I feel like oftentimes, like, once it's your job, oftentimes, like, it loses, like, the magic. Huh. Right? Like, like, there's an animator out there who's doing, like, 3D animation for a video game. And, like, yeah, it has to have, like, a look and a feel. And in some ways, it's almost like acting. Yeah. Right? He's, like, doing, like, this acting. But at the same time, like, he went to school to do, like, all this, like, fancy math. And there's, like, weird techniques and stuff. <laughs> and his boss is, like, breathing down his neck to get it done by Tuesday. Yeah. And he is going to apply the tools to the thing. And he is going to get collect a paycheck. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I definitely think there's, there's two sides to that coin. Because I've, I've known some animators who love, like, that pressure. All right. So I feel like we have beating this to death right we've killed it we've killed it you you tell us audience did we kill it was i convincing i you know actually leave a comment do you guys actually are convinced that if you're doing it like a line cook it's not art that's what i'm that's what i'm curious if people agree with me on that yeah because yeah. i'm i would be curious to see if anyone thinks that that um whether or not i'm just wrong right like I, i'm fine with that like sure i i'm to be fair I find my argument to be, I wouldn't say flimsy, but it's not very, it doesn't feel rock solid, right? Sure. And I think a lot of that has to do just with the fact that um, 
there's still a lot of like I don't know sort of this philosophical gray area in in these sort of definitions well yeah because it's hard because like if you try to like fit it into this box there's you'll find, like, all these exceptions. Oh, God. And yeah. and, and then you're just like, you know, uh, this definition's not really working very well. Like, it kind <laughs> yeah. of sucks, yeah. right? doesn't hold up to any fire, but, you know, it's it's worth debating anyway. Yeah, you know, people are arguing a while back about, like, whether or not video games are art. And I was like, which video games? I mean, in <laughs> I guess if I was to try to bring it, you know, sort of full of circle here, I'd say that, in in a way... My question to ask you was more so to learn about you than yeah. it was necessarily about the answer. Yeah. So in a way, it was like my own abstract hypothetical. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, of course, I tackle it in like I tackle it in a way where it's like, oh man, you know, I need to like answer the existential question and what sort of hypothetical question have I been posed with? <laughs> right. And, like, how can I completely pick it apart? So it's um. Well, audience, I hope you enjoyed that journey, and I hope you got the... Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Uh, (laughs) I hope you enjoyed the journey, and I hope you uh, got to learn a little bit more about us. Yeah. I feel like we got a little more personal there. Yeah. A little more stories about our lives. Thank you so much for listening. Please feel free to leave a comment telling us what you think about the show. Or if you have a topic you want to hear us cover, you can tell us that, too. Sound effects were provided by Rock Savage and Elijah Unick. Music for the show is provided by Ben Sound. If you like Tangent Train, why not tell your friends about us? That really does help. Thanks.